Hello and welcome to series one of the Level Up With podcast, a six-part mini-series where I, Porek Grimes, one half of the Level Up coaching team, dig deep with someone who we feel embodies our Level Up ethos. Individuals who hold themselves to a higher standard than the norm, who take responsibility for the power of the choices they make and own every single step of their journey. Get ready to be inspired. All right, on the podcast today, we've got a man who is a leader on the pitch and off the pitch, a big voice, a big personality, and someone who I'm really looking forward to getting a chat with. Today, we level up with Rona McNamee. What about your own? How's things, Keith? How are you? I'm the best. Hey, I'm looking forward to this. So, Thanks very much for the invite. Also, oh, here. you are, uh, as I'll discuss, you are top of the list going forward because you uh, you embody a few of the things that we are all about. So that that whole thing is leveling up, stepping up, taking responsibility. So what is what does that term mean to you? What is what does leveling up mean to Rona McNamee? Um, probably just improving, trying to improve. Obviously, like finding another gear to an extent, like but. Uh, so like say improving but not overly getting obsessed on what other people may think of you so just honing in on your own ideas like you know so maybe improving but not um, not getting too bogged down on what other people may think of the process you know yeah stepping up on your own lane and not worrying about what's going on around you yeah and that's something that probably fucking stops a lot of people with the whole thing they're too worried about what a lot of people are thinking you know, so if they put their energy into their own journey, they'd get a lot further than they would if they were not too uh, affronted by what next door is chatting about them. Aye, for so, sure, man. I've seen, seen a coach one time saying it was improving, not impressing. Aye, absolutely. So, hey, one step forward every day. It's the 1% uh-huh. that make the difference. And people are probably uh, are thinking about having to make 100% changes and then they get overwhelmed by it and then the fear of failing because they've set themselves too high a, a, a goal to achieve and that stops them and that is the absolute leveling up spot on I want to chat to you about your so a lot of the people that will be drawn into this will see your name and resonate your throne superstar footballer whatever you want to what way you want to call it give us a bit of insight into how your own sort of uh, your your football career with throne kicked off I remember it like I remember you coming on and throwing throwing your way around again Kerry but in your own in your own words where where did that because I, I that was left field like at the, that was the first time I'd ever you'd been on my radar as a fan you know was, where's this kid come out of and what is he at trying to fucking throw fists here I like him so uh, what, what is your own take on where it all started um like I've always been obsessed with it to an extent, football in general. Um, always had like we ideas in my head that I wanted to play for Toronto, wanted to represent Toronto, and I'd never really set my goal further than um, minors. I remember like it goes back to like the All Ireland Fela at under fourteen level, and maybe it was eleven or twelve, and there was a player profile of. Um, of everybody was taken, you know, and it was like your favorite club player, favorite throne player, and what your aspirations were as a Gaelic footballer. And I remember putting down that I wanted to represent throne minors, but I never really thought past it because it just seemed it seemed massive at that stage. Um, and 
I got asked in then. Obviously, I worked hard through the years. Um, represented the Miners in 2009. And it was in between the 2008 and 2010 years where they'd won All-Ireland. And we were beat first round by Armagh, who ended up going on to win All-Ireland. So, so I came at a bad time um, regards to the Miners. And lucky enough, I got a call-up in 2012 to Throne Seniors for trials. Um, and they went reasonably well. I uh, got kept on. And that's sort of where it's been since. Um, it had been, we'd been tra- training away. Girahi hadn't been about at that stage and you were sort of bouncing between different clubs. You were about Clogher and that and maybe just about like, I was sort of trying to find a middle ground for suppose for the Easties to come and then the Westies to come up. Obviously, hence Girahi's there now, sort of bang slap in the middle. But um, so 2012, 2012 was my break-in year. Like it was... Daunting enough to be really honest. Pure landing up on like Steve O'Neill, Connor Gormley, boys like that were floating about by like Paggy McConnell. Ah, boys, yeah. I'm a few years older than you, like, and that is, they are the names that are synonymous with just, we're very lucky, like my generation and, and yours to an extent as well. We grew up watching Tyrone dominate and be successful. And you had, you know, even before that, you Peter Canavan, who, regardless of not winning any All-Irelands, we could say we have the best footballer in the country in our uh, county, like, you know. So what was the what was the moment where you went from, right, I want to be a Tyrone minor player, and then you grew out of that, you got beyond that, till I have I can contribute here at senior level. I can be a player. I, Connor Gormley, your, your time's up, son. Rony Sintown. Uh, um, I, I think, like, I remember the, me, I, I got a phone call about the trials. It was... Um, from Mickey Moyna so Mickey was a kit man like, and he phoned me and I was like what who who's this like? and I was like thinking it was a bit of a piss take so paid no real attention sort of hung up on him laughed at him because I was sitting at, it was a college like, I was sitting at the house in Belfast and I was like what it's hardly hardly that no it do, doesn't happen this way like. and then remember Marty Penn was ringing me and saying did, did the boy ring you there about trials <laughs> and I was like fuck no it was I was absolutely shit my pants, like no point in laying, um, because it was like you were watching Penrose for years too, up through the years, and just like go like the eight journey that he went on, like it was phenomenal. Like it brought new life to the club, and having somebody like that about the club, representing the club in the final, it was um, unbelievable. So I think it was just landing in with them boys and trying to learn as much as you could. Um, being being mannerly, but trying to stake your claim as well. Like you didn't want to go in and be this arrogant, be shite that was going to get knocked down very quickly because Gormley and them boys would have just lined you up and hospitalised you as quick as they look at you. Like so, you know, right. so um, they're setting the standard. They've won it all. They don't want the boys coming up behind them till till the you know feeling their legacy. I remember a wild funny story. Um, Tony Donnelly was obviously Mickey's number two. And Tony's son Jamie, he's a he's a good footballer, super super place kicker. But uh-huh. they had a there was a trail match and we're low on numbers. So Tony just said, "Here, Jimmy, jump in there, fill up. You're not gonna be caught too short." And uh, Jimmy said he was chatting to Muggsy in the the dressing room after it. And Muggsy goes, "You get called up there, or you know you going rightly?" And Jimmy goes, "Oh no, Tony's my boy." And Muggsy goes. 
Oh, two. You know, so them boys, like I, they've whenever you're a couple of multi multi All Ireland winners, you can afford to uh, to make sure that the the standard is high, and you know, probably you have to have, and I can, and I know you do, but maybe even whenever you're a lot bit younger, you have to have a big inner belief. You have to, you uh, must have a, a strong, a strong belief in your own ability to make a make a difference and be a plus point tell what you're bringing to the table absolutely because like it sort of brings it brings you back like i was on development squads for years from under 15s under 16s 17s and obviously minors played in all underage development squads and underage teams but i never really got going until i was minor like i was there might have been 60 players on development squads and you would have been you'd have been in the bottom 10 easy um because like i hadn't like I was just a scrawny wee, wee whippet, like, to be brutally honest. Um, bag of bones. And it took me a long time to try and fall out. Like, it, I was gymming for years before I seen any real changes. And, like, it's... You sort of just be gripping your teeth and... It's, it nearly becomes a habit more so than... Like, obviously, I've set goals and that. Like, and when I think back, it's not that I was driven by wanting to be successful it was just you got into a routine of wanting to be better yeah and it just you know it just it just happened to cycle that way constantly and like you're just going to the gym one day a week two days a week three days a week and you started seeing changes eventually um you're been able to hold your own more and, and say a high iron training and then you'd go up and like when i first started with throwing i was getting game time with wing half back and like you were obviously it was later, a lot later, like and like you were probably fit to avoid a lot of the contact. Um and the bigger I suppose hits and certain things like so you're trying to play around breaks and get in and out quickly. Um whereas now you could just tend to be a wrestling match a lot of the time, like so it's tailored, it's it, it tailors, um you obviously have to tailor your game certain ways, like, but um I played minors fullback, I played under 21s fullback, and then eventually um, I sort of nailed down a fullback position with my own seniors in. Um, it wasn't easy because it was like you're, you're ov- like, obviously, it's never easy at any age group, like, but you could just be caught lucky in your own minor year that you're, you know, on, on given by your age, you could be the best that year, but there could be so much better on the year above you, just matched yeah. it. So at seniors, obviously you have a fucking ten-year bracket to work with, at least. So, um, Aye. any position, nail down any position is going to take a lot more work. And I suppose this is something that's worth repeating that that became, you know, your journey to being a, a more rounded athlete, stronger, to even developing and adapting your game from wing half back to a more central figure. This didn't happen overnight. That success, you know, you didn't just wake up one day and all of a sudden you're, you know, you're leading number three in your back captain the county and you know that that's something that a lot of fellas especially young kids you know 15 till even probably 21 22 they need to get their head around that this doesn't happen just in a in a pre-season this is happening over years compounding and compounding and building and building and gathering momentum until you're there you know and that's i think that's way getting a chance to, to chat to someone who's went through that whole journey. It's, it's a, it's an invaluable insight that uh, people need to take on board. And it's not just, it's not just a couple of benches and squatting and the next thing I'm, I'm there. 
Hundred percent. Um, couldn't agree more. And it's it, on the other side of it, like it's like my mum, my old boy never kicked the ball in his life, like. And my mum's a blue one from Donegal, so it's not a case that I've come from valuable stock <laughs> to an extent like that you fucking inherit these gifts of you know football and ability it's like my game is tailored and changed over the years um as best as i could just improved and there's so much better than me everywhere but you tend to you try and tailor it to spoil as much as you can like I, there's no way i would go and say that I'm and like there's no way of blow saying I'm good enough on on certain aspects, but I, I get I get by on certain things and I'm I picked up craft over the years that you can you can tend to work with as well, you know. There's a self awareness there that again it needs to be something that is extended out to anybody who plays any sort of football. But if you're playing GA, you lean in on the things that you're strong at and you avoid getting exposed to the things that are you're weak at. And everyone's gonna have strengths and weaknesses. But the ability to acknowledge that early on and hone your craft, as you say, pick up bits and pieces, it's very, very, it's the difference in being uh, someone who's decent at a couple of things and contributing a wee bit to someone who knows what they can bring to the table, turning the volume up on it and then making sure they don't get caught out. Like, well, I do want to chat to you more a wee bit about football, but from an outside perspective, from a fan perspective, like you're, you adapt your game till, the person who you're marking. So you could be marking Michael Murphy, McBurdy, McManus, and you're going to handle them and you're going to probably play about a six or a seven out of 10. And you, you're, you're not going to get credit. Like, you know, at a, and it sort of boggles my mind where you've handled one of the, like literally one of the fucking top five, 10 footballers in the country. And you've held them to maybe two points, three points. But just because you haven't went up and Jack McCaffrey the goal or hitting points, McEwen or whatever, you don't get the plaudits. And then I think then the, the, the other side of that is you could go out and play a no disrespect to Antrims and, and Calvins or whatever. Although Calvins on the up. But you could go against maybe someone who's not as high profile and you'll still play a 7 out of 10 game. But you don't have to go up. I think you've got the ability to raise your game to match the man you're against and that is often it's just dismissed and it's it's overlooked as a something that is an incredible thing to be able to do like that's that's my perspective as a fan who thinks he knows a wee bit about football but probably knows not i, I think it, it, it boils down to just trying to find a consistency like anything um and try not try not to get too bogged down in it and overthinking a simple game um, where it's Michael Murphy or somebody else, um, McManus, whatever, you tend to hone in on their positive points and make them make them as, as niggly as you can to slow them up in whatever way you can. So it's like it's not that you'd be overthinking it. I just obviously I was I used to overthink it a lot. And then you get bogged into maybe an old fucking handbags match and their head would go. Like when I, my my debut, like I got into uh, an old altercation with Paul Galvin, like, and he knocked me to piss out <laughs> and, and he punched me in the balls and I got booked for it. Yeah. You know, and I was like, what the fuck has just happened here? 
I remember that. Hey, like, you, you went, you put, your, you put yourself out there by doing that, like, straight away. And, and I was 20, and he would have been in 30, in his 30s, like, just, <laughs> it's like, 10 years of craft. That's what yeah. that man had, 10 years of craft, and... He could have been the reigning player of the year that year. Like, he uh, picked up player of the year And he just completely railed me. Completely railed me. And I was like, oh, fuck's sake. I've completely jumped. I've jumped the gun completely here. And obviously, over the years, the older you get, the more mature you get. You tend to tailor it a wee bit differently. No, it's not a case that you lose your aggression, but you hone it a bit better. And that's one of my key points that I have have in my game is that I'm aggressive and I'm... Like I'll put, bog my head in anywhere for the sake of it. Um, so, as I say, the consistency levels in my game, I tried to find a level of consistency that I wasn't flying one day and poor the next. And if I could just find, as you say, a 7 out of 10 or that was constantly getting you enough, then you can work on that as a base layer. Yeah, you know, wee bit more than enough, probably. You're probably understanding yourself a wee bit, wee bit more than enough. Fuck. <laughs> but see, like, see there, you got... I think you weren't, you were sort of thrown into deep end, fanged in again, carry qualifier, but you then went fucking instead of dipping your toe and you went head first into it. And, but that baptism of fire, it, you would have got so much more from that if you had a co- done, if you had just coasted through it and, and picked up not an awful lot from that experience. You know, the growth, and it's something that, you know, I encourage with, with my own clients. You have to grow by, challenging yourself outside your comfort zone embracing failure and, and don't be afraid of the consequences of of you know risk absolutely absolutely it's the fear factor of it like you're just holding yourself under a wee shell and not necessarily want to step outside it like so you're 10 years into the county game at this stage or nearly 10 years anyway where <laughs> what's the how have you seen the game evolve now again i see it from a coaching perspective strength and conditioning something that maybe 10 years ago would have been an outlier for teams is now the norm for teams, even at club level, something where county players would have only been doing. Now you've got junior players doing it. How do you feel the game has evolved at the top? Because you're given that little bit of insight at the top. Um, like it's, it's got more and more demanding as the years have gone on for sure. Um, even in the ten, like nine, ten seasons that I've been there, it's it's found a new level every year. Um, but you tend to adapt with it and move on as if it's like I always say that if if I didn't want to come out to it, I wouldn't. You know, so it's not a case that you you have to give out about it, and people do give out about it, but they're still there and yeah. putting in the effort. So it's nearly a case that it's maybe. Want to be heard, scowling to an extent, but but I think like I I wouldn't change it for the world, and I feel that the game's completely on a on a new level now, and in ten years' time, it'll have found another level. In three years' time, it'll like it's constantly evolving. Players are improving constantly, like constantly getting better, and it's it's frightening to think the level of Gaelic footballer will be at in 10 years' time, you know, with the coaching that has gone on now compared to what was going on before and the yeah. strength and different aspects of it, fucking hell, man, it's going to find a completely different level. There's athletes that are just being bred now in, like, factories and being on the list at 18. <laughs> I think that will reach a plateau, though, because even now, you know, 
you guys, Dublin, Kerry, Galway, Mayo, Donegal, all very physically elite. So what I'm think what I'm seeing now is uh, the adaption of tactics and systems. You know, you can see how Dublin have took on board some of that basketball play, psychology, and all, and that's the way that the, the game will sap- continue to separate itself. You know, the probably at a grassroots level, a club level, it's more so how the average club player in 2021 physically compared to the average club player in 2001 is a different oh, animal, a different animal. Like, you know, you're not going to get away with coming on after a lack of pints on a Friday night, arse hanging out of you still and maybe kick a six points. No chance, like. Would you like to play it? Would you like to play it 20 years ago? 95, Clanavan? I would have. I would have. I think I think it would have suited me more. Um because like like obviously like Canavan and say Stevie O'Neill, like your generational players that in a hundred years' time will still be yeah. you know, probably in the top ten that ever played the game. Whereas there's forwards that I would have played and they were good forwards then, but they wouldn't make it now. And you, likewise you'd like for a, defenders. You'd like a rattle at Brawley back in, back in 83. <laughs> uh, I, mem- I, I remember playing a, char- a, a charity match one time in, in Donegal. It was for Letter County General Hospital. Pure random story. Hey, but, um, it was a, the, Donegal, the All-Ireland winners of, uh, All-Star winners of 2012 and All-Star winners in 92 in a team. So it was fucking like Megan Murphy and Tony Boyd and Manus Boyd boys, I guess, run about and Mark McHugh, you know, and they had a few Ulster selects in along with it. And they were playing against New York NYPD, but Brawley was there and me and Shane Sweeney were asked to go down. And Jim McGuinness was managing one team, Ham and Rory Gallagher, and Martin McHugh was managing the other. Tar Lynch was there from Castle Ergley. And like, Tar played in the 80s and he was a like he was a known hard man, like he'd have put the head in you as quick as he looked at you. <laughs> and Brawley was playing inside Omega Murphy. Murphy was catching the balls, playing him off of Brawley. Brawley was k- kicking the balls with the bar and he's blowing kisses to the crowd. Like. And Martin McHugh says, where do you want to go on to Tar Lynch? And he was like, put me on Brawley. <laughs> so he, he, he reckoned he had only 10 minutes in him. So he chased Tar he chased Brawley for 10 minutes. Couldn't get next to near him. Like, and there was no time. Um, but, after Brawley had give a kidney to the fella and like he was just recovering, I suppose. Uh, I could see I could see you doing all right, 80s, 90s ball, all right. You're you're doing pretty good in 2021, but I think you'd have you'd have you'd have been headlines back then too. Uh, I'd enjoyed it now. Even like I was chatting till my father in law played for Throne in the 70s and 80s, and he's saying like he would love to absolutely love to be playing now he thinks the advantages that the boys that are coming through now have would have you know he reckons you, half is a rubbish <laughs> you know it's just because he's our like, plan he's probably like there there's definitely more advantages now like like it's more there's certain aspects of it that's different like definitely it's more athletic now like obviously it's more professional now and there's probably if you're successful there's a lot more things that come part and parcel with. So if you're part of a su- successful team, you've, you could be lucky enough to have your life doors. laid out in front of you. Whereas yeah. normally it's 10 years of your life that you devote to someone. And after you're starting from scratch to build a life for yourself to an extent, because you've 
put so much time into this and only this, then it's what sets you differently than an average county team to a successful one is that the you know, the players that buy into it completely and they hone in on it completely and it's all they want and you tend to obviously get obsessed with like anything that you do buy in whether it's um, whether it's your own future or you're trying to build a business or whatever you completely put all your eggs into it like and this is this is no different because if you yeah. don't somebody else will come behind and that's- they will and that's it you know, you have a short fucking window at it, and if you don't necessarily take it, then it's going to be passed very quickly. Yeah, uh, you have to take the, the opportunities that are afforded to you where your focus goes, your energy flows, and if your focus is elsewhere, some other man's ready to take it off you. Sure. Um, one of the big things that I suppose where I've been looking to get a chat with you is your, your communication and your leadership qualities that you show on the field and then even off the field as uh, having open conversations and encouraging conversations about mental health. But before we go down that way, I want, have you always been, have you always been a leader, always been a captain, always been a voice, or is that something you've grown into? Um, it's something that you grow into. I feel that you, like, I was lucky enough to play with a lot of good players and been around a lot of good players that you pick up different wee bits and bobs off, you know, and maybe you see how, different people approach different things some people do a lot of talking some people do little and they do their talking elsewhere you know and it's it's sort of fainting like you try and hone it in to maybe bring it with you to your club so like when you'd be training and playing with a county and hitting a high level you just want to incorporate it into the boys you play with to try and make your club team successful so it tends to come that way that you're maybe just picking up ideas and, and voicing them and it might just come across as if um, you're you're trying to lead to an extent but um, I wouldn't go and say that I was always a leader or I'm a leader I just find that like I, I do what I, I can when I'm playing and if it means like obviously you need to be vocal and anything you do when you're playing football it's not a cute like positively vocal rather than shouting and roaring and golden, which I do a lot of at times because as I say, the head goes at times and you end up, you need to shout at someone because you can't be seen striking anybody or hitting anybody. So you need to venture around anger somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but um, like playing in front of the likes of Benny Gallon that I iron, Benny talks away uh, constantly to the defence. And then when you're playing, obviously up with Throne, Morgan as well, um, like I've played on Morgan since uh, 2009, we're in minors together. So we've been together a long time and it's, like it's, we've obviously built a good rapport and a good relationship and there's a lot of trust there. But um, I guess just a matter of trying to find a balance in between and and, and, and being mainly positive, as, as positive as you can be. Because like. you don't know what people are bringing with them, do you know what I mean? That's it, hey? that's like, it. That's, just what I'm, that's what I'm going to sort of go down now. Do you feel like because you're pretty open and you are, you know, you you are vocal, that it leaves you as a someone who the younger players, both at club level, at county level, and even maybe beyond that, that people would feel like I can talk to this guy because he knows what it takes, and I I like I like the energy he's given off. Do you like do you? have that sort of open conversations with any of the guys coming through or 
or what is your sort of position in the dressing room with regards to that? Um, I would be completely open, you know, but it's like I know from when I, whenever I was having difficulty, like I would never have initially went and spoke to somebody if I knew they had went through. Like I don't think I would have opened up. Like I only opened up because I had cornered myself and I had no other option. So um, I feel that a hundred percent I would be open as would anybody. But it's I think it's the, the whole stigma that's attached to it is that you you never tend to open your mouth when you need to or or and confide in somebody else. And that's the problem where I basically started and finished with me was because I didn't. Like it's it's my burden, you know, was the way I was seeing it. So why would I burden somebody else? But obviously now when you're looking back, it shouldn't have been a burden for me, even though it was. And there's no way it would have been a burden for somebody else, you know, but it's 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 been able to see that. So like all I could say was if somebody was um in difficulty and they wanted to talk, like I'd have no no issue speaking to somebody, like absolutely not. Because if somebody was able to see inside my head and see the clouds that was was honing in on me and they were able to tell me and ways of getting out of it, I would have been more than appreciative of it, you know. What sort of advice then, like, so there will be, like, lockdown has just amplified the, the struggles that people are, are dealing with at the minute because it's, you know, restricted socially. There's a lot more confinement in your own house we're being robbed of things that would usually allow emotional outlets. So what would be your maybe advice for someone who is feeling like they're, they're struggling with their mental health, you know, from not from, from Ronan Mike and me, the footballer, but from Ronan who's had his own, his own challenges and being able to, to rise above that. I think it's finding, finding a, something that makes you happy, whether it's, like it, I know we can't really leave the house like we've quarantined to, for, to five miles or five kilometres or whatever there's a lot of people like which potentially will lift soon anyway but like I obviously like it's getting to do something that you like or, or being around people that make you smile because the bigger picture is to be happy and obviously the conditions we find ourselves in this last eight to ten months you know, coming up in a year have been crazy. Like, and there's no denying it, and nobody would have foreseen what was happening. You'd have liked to have got it back to normal a lot sooner if decisions have been made better by people in higher positions that get paid loads of money. Um, but obviously, it wasn't, and we're in the we're in the the hole that we're in. But you'll like the worrying side of that is that you will see people struggling more so after this. Like they'll be struggling now, but like whenever things come back to normal and things don't go back to normal, you know, when things open up and normality doesn't resume for a lot of people, whether it's business related or life in general related, like it's like it's just gonna be nearly a year wiped off, you know, um completely. So it's a like I over locked over the first lockdown, I went down home. Um was fireman a lot more started um like i have a head for engineering so i started doing these things making me fire pits out of washing machines um the, the drum of washing machines putting legs in them 
try a few boys bought them off me. Um, just wee footery stuff, but it, it nearly paid better. Like I got down because you're constantly with thrown and all you know is thrown. You don't have time to give your time to anything else. And for me, being able to go down and give that old boy a hand, you know, be down with mum and dad more and just sort of be more thankful and being there for them more so because they've obviously given me a lot over the years. And um, that was where I was at first lockdown, this lockdown. Um, bought myself a mountain bike. Have been going to Garch and Glens flat out, completely obsessed with um, I know what I'm going to do when I stop playing football. It's on its own completely. Like It's on your doorstep in Garch and Glens. It's an unbelievable setup up there. It's, I know a lot of people will be busy or be busy with a lot of people about it. And I was up on Saturday and Sunday passed there. And on Sunday, you couldn't get parked. But there was, I met nobody, you know, so ah, it's, it's not a case. Spar- that, it's the big place, like it's just the cars. Don't uh, just, don't. But I think just what you've been able to, what you've been able to do there is abstract major positive from potentially negative, you know, through the first lockdown for me, like with the gym closing and all, my head went askew. Like I, I found it real tight going. But this time around, you've learned to adapt and build and, and grow out of it, you know. And that's going to be something that a lot of people will will sort of find that they've been able to, suppose whenever you experience something for the first time, it gives you a lesson to how to experience it again the second time. And even for you there, the first time around, you sort of, you cultivated your environment. You made sure your parents were okay. You enjoyed the freedom it gave you. And then this time you've maybe looked for something a bit more that you can get your teeth stuck into and that again maybe even going back to the question that i had asked about advice i think what i took away from your answer there was how important your environment is the people around you your support network oh man that's it's the key to the whole thing um like there's type types of people i remember mickey hart telling me one time there's types of two types of people in the world energy bringers and energy sappers and you get to decide which one you are and like if you're sucking the energy or you find somebody in your circle is sucking the energy out of you, you gotta you gotta park it like you know, yeah. you gotta park them. Drop and oh big time and, and like it, it rubs off, negativity rubs off more so than anything else. Like positivity rubs off, yes, but not to the extent that negativity does. Like you get up in the morning, you look at Twitter, it's all negative. You look yeah. at the paper, it's negative. Headings, you know, everything is fucking negative and there's never anything, you know, obviously there's positive stories, but you nearly need to search for them. No, they're not right in front of your face. I, and that's the problem. There's work in, in creating a positive environment. And you, as you said there, sometimes you have to be a wee bit ruthless. Like if you look and think this guy is bringing nothing but, but fucking shit into my world, like time to go. Because I, I, what Mickey said there is something that, again, that I've heard a lot. You're either a radiator or a drain. It's the same thing. You either radiate good or you drain mm-hmm. out, the, you know, you suck the life out. So, again, for the people listening to this now, if they're in a bit of a bit of a shitty place, if they can have the, the, the ability just to step back and look at their environment and see, are the people around me supporting me or are they just sort of 
compounding the the way that I'm feeling. Maybe that's something they could do. Is that does that make sense? Yeah. hundred percent, man. And the the fact of it is that like you're probably basing how you feel on what they're thinking. And another point he made to me at the stage was uh, Mickey Hart, like he said to me, it's none of my business what other people think of you. And it's it's not like, but you yeah. make it your business, and then all of a sudden you're sucked down the little lick and you're like, fuck's sake, I'm in a pit here, how do I get out? But really, it's it's not down to the person that thinks shitty of you, it's down to you allowing them thinking shit of you to, to, to bring you into the lull. So obviously it's easier said than done, but if you can build a certain barrier around it and make yourself as bulletproof as you can, then everything else will fall into place. Ah, there's work in it, hey, but yeah, if you can build a bit of resilience, a thicker skin, and just take take it on full sort of eyes wide open, it doesn't matter what somebody else thinks yeah. of you. You know, because you're going to be like in your level, I'm sure you've seen newspaper articles saying you need to get out and time to move on. You know, like that could pull you down, but you have to be strong enough to just not not ignore it, but acknowledge it and say, hey, you're entitled to your opinion. But what what about you? I just show them, man. You'll find a new level to prove prove the doubters wrong. Like, and like it's 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 what makes you. It sets you from being an average to being an elite like so you know yeah the positives use, you bring from it i even I, having the ability to to use some of that negativity and turn it into positive act, action steps you know that's a, again super a super takeaway just on that takeaways what what is the biggest the biggest sort of thing that you took from your own tough time your own challenging dark time that um you've been able to learn bring forward and not maybe action every day but know that you have got that sort of experience and that lesson that won't um allow you to to, to fall again i think like them two points that i made before regards to your thought process on on what other people think of you being a key one but um, it'd be like this none of your business what other people think of you but like I just surrounded myself obviously I was surrounded with healthy people and your family and that but see whenever like I opened up to my mum and it just it stemmed from there like it, it brought my uh, friendship level with her to a completely different level and it was it was on a, a pretty high level as it was because it was just like my old boy has no interest in football. Mum took me everywhere for development squad. She drove me everywhere, and she sat and read read the paper. And then, obviously, as the years went on through minors, under twenty ones, and seniors, she sort of started getting more interested in it. And uh, she's a turncoat now. She's a like she's a throne woman over Donegal woman, which is good value when you go down home to all my uncles and aunties down in Donegal. She she takes your your corner, fights your corner for you. Always but, helps. Uh, always helps is right. But um, I feel it's just the, like surround yourself with positive people, positive like and a positive mindset. Like and ha- like I always try and do something every day in regards to exercise because like for that 
higher. Like your thought process is on something that's gonna make you better than there you were previous. So like I'm not the biggest fan of running. I bring myself to do it as much as I can. But as I say, um, Gorshin Glens, like there's nothing that clears your head like it when you're completely thinking, having to think constantly, or else you're gonna go head over heels over the handlebars to an extent. Like so, um, whether it's the gym, whether it's going out for a walk, but it's just you know, as positive as I can can make it. It's not a case that I'll never fall into the slump that I was in before, but I'm in a better place to prevent it, you know. And don't get me wrong, like you've been tested numerous times and you find yourself thinking, you know, you find yourself being clouded out again and like no more so than like these lockdowns, constant restrictions, no end to it. And you're wondering like will it ever end and obviously the thought in the back of your head is like the safety of your family like um your mum and dad being key and obviously my brother's over in england so you weren't get i wasn't getting to see him and his, his family as much but they had a wee girl um so i became an uncle over lockdown and it was maybe a month five weeks before we got to see them and see the wee girl which brought things to another level as well that like he just sends me like snapchats and videos over and man that just like you know what i'm talking about it like there's a there's a warm fuzzy feeling inside you when you see her and it's fucking that's nuts like and it's just it's just all positive and obviously it's down to your own thinking but i try and do something like like that keeps me active every day and i find that it, it just leaves you in a better place mentally yeah, and that there sort of it's gonna because it's gonna be different for everybody, but putting a bit of energy into something that just gives you pure joy and and enjoyment, and you're not doing it because it's a chore. And even sometimes, like you said there, you running's not your favorite thing. It's not my favorite thing. I don't know how it can be anybody's favorite thing, but you never regret it. You know, you never uh-huh. regret. You always need don't Absolutely only not. only work out your regrets the one you don't do. But even beyond that, like listening to a podcast, going out for a walk doing things that just help lift your mood is super, super important. And just on the kids note, one of the huge benefits of lockdown has been the ability, like I've spent so much more time on my kids than I would have otherwise, because I would have been up in the gym and that's sort of changed my whole outlook on what work could be. Now I'm thinking I can't go back to working on the gym floor 30, 40 hours a week. I'm not no, too much, you know? So again, it's been able to look at something that could easily be, be perceived as a negative and flipping it and thinking, nah, this, this is a learning process and I'm going to be the better for it. So I've got a, a quick, a couple of quick questions to wrap her up. Cause we've got a, I think we got a lot of good value from this. People's going to really feel just uh, inspired by some of the stuff you've shared there, but some it's quick good. ones, what qualities, how would your mom describe you? Uh, <laughs> don't know if it be positive or negative. Um, <laughs> Like I've, um, I'd like to think I'm honest, like, and sort of, as you see it. So it's tends to rub off. Like you'll either like me, or you'll not. But uh, like I try to be as positive as I can, like. But mum probably sees me as a twisted, <laughs> shit bag that's that never slept for three years. She constantly keeps saying this here, like, because. Connor's wee girl's here that doesn't sleep much and uh, hey, like, I wonder where she took that from yeah. you know, wonder where she took that from so 
she would uh my own thinking and her thinking could could uh, differentiate here the same for sure <laughs> right what advice would you give uh, an 18 year old Rony McNamee just be it out of the first round of the minor championship there and life in front of you uni ahead what are you telling yourself um, probably not to take it too too serious um, because it, this, it, tendy, it, it tended to just build from then on smaller wee bits until it reached breaking point for me so um, like it just like I compared myself to my brother who went to college and finished college within three years and had his mindset on what he wanted to do from his 15 and I'm 30 in a couple of months and I don't know if I want to be a plumber or an electrician or an astronaut here so um, do you know like I just I jumped the gun as to what I wanted to do and I just felt pressurized straight away so I would just tell myself not to take it as serious and don't don't worry if things don't go as planned. Like you can always reset and reevaluate things and go again. I guess very, very good advice. And a lot of people do come out of school especially because I think it's amplified a wee bit from your teachers in school telling you this and that and you need to do this and you need to go down that route that you feel like at, at 18, 19, you've almost got to, you have to do this. And you have to do that, yeah. whereas, nah, hey, the world's your eyes there. Shake her hand, eh? Big time. Big time, and, man. And the 10 years between 20 and 30 go in shocking fast. So if you aren't getting Ridiculous. Taking a chance to enjoy them, you know, this is your this is your call now, 21, 22-year-olds. Show your role. <laughs> I put the brakes on quickly. <laughs> last one then, big bojo. Tell us last night that we're looking at June the 21st. Now, Arlene and, and Michelle might put their own spin on that, but... We're getting there. We're almost we're almost through the end of this shite. What are you looking forward to the most? Where are you going? What are you drinking? Who are you with? Um a pint of stout. A pint of stout. And like I haven't seen my my relatives, my mum's side of family. Um we're always very close, you know. We always try to meet up as many times a year as we can and haven't seen them and obviously a year and Sarah like Connor's we geared Sarah's eight months and they haven't seen her. So it would be nice to have everybody together. Um me and my uncle, my uncle's a big Donegal man, he always texts me before we play Donegal, wishing me well. <laughs> wishing me personally well. And that's it. Uh, yeah. He fucking hates it after do that. So we we enjoy um we enjoy the crack, but we always talk about meeting in Mulford for a lack of pints. So I would I would enjoy that there just as a catch-up. Like. Love that. I think it says a lot about you too and your values that that's, you know, again, a family and look, I'll, I'll join you for a pint of stead any time because I am cracking for <laughs> one too. Hey? But um, no, thank you very much. Really, I, I really enjoyed that and um, it, it reinforced a lot of what I know we've already talked about. Don't value other people's opinions, but it reinforced my opinion of you and as the, as the character that I see on the field for throne and in the training ground. Cause I've seen you in the gym. Like you guys were up in the gym last year, the year before, and I seen you in the gym and how you carried yourself and I always respected it. And this chat has just uh, reaffirmed for me that your um, throne's in good hands when number three's on your back. I appreciate that, lad. And uh, as I said to you at the start, I appreciate um, coming on 
because it's nice to talk about things at times and it's uh it's good to in the in the sort of circumstances we're in now it's good to catch up you know so it's it's all positive from here on and hopefully next time i'll be a, a pint of stout some road <laughs> <laughs> absolutely not what a way to kick off the series ronan mike to me a gentleman a pleasure to talk with i hope you got as much enjoyment from that as i did and maybe even a little bit of inspiration from the insights that ronan gave us till not only his his journey as an intercounty footballer but as someone who's faced mental health problems and got through it came out the other side the better person for it so if you enjoyed that tag me on the socials review us share it you're in for a treat as the miniseries continues so see me again next week i will chat to you